Today's episode is proudly sponsored by the Rising Tide Mastermind. The Rising Tide Mastermind is one of my favorite things that I look forward to each and every week because I get to see people that have my best interest in mind. I know this because I have their best interest in mind. And when you get people together in a room like that, you can just imagine how people want to help other people. If this sounds like something you want to learn more about, go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash mastermind. Welcome to Scaling Up, the podcast where we scale up on knowledge so we don't scale up our systems. I'm your host, Trace Blackmore, and happy Legionella Awareness Month, Scaling Up Nation. Of course, we've been doing this for a couple of years now, and the whole point behind this is how do we get better information out there to you, the industrial water treater, so you can spread that to your customers where it really matters. We've been doing this for a couple of years and we've had great success over those years. We've also been able to accumulate a lot of information and sometimes it's difficult to find places that you can have reliable resources well, we've got a place for Legionella information. You can go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash Legionella and let your fingertips do the walking because we have put together so many resources that we've gotten from guests on this podcast, from some that you have sent to us. We have so much information for you. So don't guess. Do some research, and we have all the information that you can do that research on at scalinguph2o.com forward slash Legionella. Scaling Up Nation, as you know, I love collaborating on this show with our friend James McDonald. So here is something that James has cooked up to get you in the mood for Industrial Water Week. These are the voyages of Industrial Water Week to boldly celebrate with family, friends, and colleagues. Helm, report. It's a board ship, Captain. We're being hailed, Captain. On screen. We are aboard. Lower your shields. We will add your biological and technological distinctiveness to our own. Your collective celebration of Industrial Water Week will adapt to celebrate like us. Resistance is futile. Wait a second. You're insisting that we celebrate Industrial Water Week like you as part of the collective? But there are so many ways to celebrate Industrial Water Week. It can be as a group, an individual, or both. Resistance is futile. Lower your shields. Celebration as it has been is over. From this time forward, you will celebrate like us. My name is Captain Herbert Henry Oxidane, the 18th, and I'll be darned if I'm going to let the Borg tell me how to celebrate Industrial Water Week. We can celebrate with you, but not like you, nor as you. End communications. Direct hit, Captain H2O. They've scratched the paint on the port nacelle. Now I'm really annoyed. I just had that buffed and waxed. Evasive maneuvers A to A to Omicron. Modulate phaser frequencies. Randomize shield harmonics. Dust off those anti-Borg photon torpedoes and give them all we've got. And turn off that blasted sound. 
Report, Ensign. The Borg cube is venting plasma, steam, and chilled water, sir. Shields are gone and power is fluctuating. Good. Now hail them. We are Borg. You are being- Stop right there. We've just kicked your collective backsides. Stand down. There's room for us all to celebrate Industrial Water Week in our own ways. My crew and I will have cake. You're welcome to join us. The point is, we decide, as individuals, as companies, as colleagues, as friends. Few truly understand what we do as industrial water treatment professionals, but we do. Industrial Water Week gives us permission to celebrate ourselves and our noble profession. So, will you join us at our assimilation-free party? We find your terms of celebration to be acceptable. Good. I was hoping you'd see it our way. By the way, I see you're venting steam and chilled water over there. If you need help with your industrial water systems, just let us know. They've ended communication, sir. In the cold darkness of outer space, where no one can hear you steam, there is one man who works tirelessly to celebrate what we do. That man is Captain H2O, best water treater this side of the Milky Way, celebrating Industrial Water Week the first full business week of October each and every year. Based on Star Trek, created by Gene Roddenberry. No rights infringements intended. Star Trek and all related marks, logos, and characters are solely owned by CBS Studios, Inc. This fan production is not endorsed by, sponsored by, nor affiliated with CBS, Paramount Pictures, or any other Star Trek franchise, and is a non-commercial fan-made audio drama intended for recreational use. No commercial exhibition or distribution is permitted. No alleged independent rights will be asserted against CBS or Paramount Pictures. Nation, I'm sure you've heard James and I on a previous podcast. We are both Trekkies, for good or worse, for better or worse, I guess is how you say that. So if you're marking your calendars, September 8th is Star Trek Day. And an even better date to put on your calendar is Industrial Water Week, which is October 2nd through 6th. It's always the first full week of October. And if you are doing the math, that is when a lot of us are going to be together at the Association of Water Technologies Conference. So folks, I don't know. How are you going to celebrate Industrial Water Week? Are you going to dress up as your favorite water character? We don't even have water characters. See, there's so much we can do for this holiday. I'm hoping some people surprise me while we're at AWT celebrating Industrial Water Week. I fully expect James McDonald to be in a Borg costume talking about water somehow. So we'll see what James does with it. Nation, I hope to see you not only at that conference, I can't wait to celebrate Industrial Water Week with you October 2nd through 6th. And of course, we're going to have a brand new episode each and every day that week to help you celebrate. And you should have fun. You should let your clients know about it. You should let your family know about it. You should definitely let your coworkers know about it and do something a little fun. I can't wait to see some of those posts on social media. Here are a couple of items that you might want to look into. Aquatech Mexico in Mexico City is having their Water Quality Association meeting on September 5th through September 
7th. So this is where Aquatech's International Trade Show offers industry professionals a complete overview of products and services of the world's leading company. So if this is something that interests you, we'll have all of that information on our show notes page. The Smart Water Summit is happening September 10th through 12th in Scottsdale, Arizona. And this is for water utilities. Industry concerns resolved all around operational technology, extreme climate events, and political hurdles. If this sounds like something that you want to learn more about, we will have that information on our show notes page. As we always do, one-stop shop for you to figure out what is going on in the industrial water world. We've got all of that on our events page. Just go to scalinguph2o.com. Nation, I just mentioned James McDonald. And of course, James just does double duty on this podcast. So here is a brand new periodic water table with James. Hello and welcome to the periodic water table with James, where we think and learn about water chemistry drop by drop. Please use your week to search online, ask your colleagues, or even pick up a book to learn more about each week's periodic water table topic. If you do, at the end of the year, you'll be 52 water chemistry smarter. So let's raise the water table of knowledge together and get started. Today's topic is... Sulfate. What's the difference between sulfate and sulfite? What is the chemical formula for sulfate? What problems can sulfate cause in an industrial water system? What impacts its solubility with calcium? What about barium? What chemical products adds more sulfate to an industrial water system? What treatment technologies can remove sulfate from water? How is calcium sulfate scale cleaned? Can you predict the solubility of sulfate salts in a water system? What rules of thumb or calculation programs are available? Remember, knowledge is power, and taking the time to learn more about water chemistry each week will help make you a force to be reckoned with. Be sure to post what you learn to social media and tag it with hashtag WaterTable23 and hashtag ScalingUpH2O. I look forward to learning more from you. Thank you, James, for all the hard work you do making learning more about water treatment fun. Nation, we are right smack dab in the middle of Legionella Awareness Month, and one of our most popular guests is Dr. Janet Stout. She is no stranger to this podcast, and she is the one that I reach out to when I have Legionella questions, and she is our next guest talking about Legionella. Here is that interview. My lab partner today is returning guest, Dr. Janet Stout. Janet, welcome back to the Scaling Up H2O podcast. It just makes me smile so big to see you and to be with your audience and to talk about my favorite subject. That, of course, is? Legionella. There we go, Legionella. But we're also talking about other waterborne pathogens, too. So we want to be all-inclusive and not just hog it all with Legionella. That's very true. Very true. Janet, do we know how many times you've been on the show? It's got to be close to a dozen. You know, 
I was going to say six, but I'll take a dozen. Well, I I, th- I think you probably have six episodes, but uh, in different conversations or, or conventions we've been at, you, you've been on. So I think if we count all of that, uh, we're maybe even above that number. Well, that makes me smile too, because uh, it's just, well, you're just a delightful person to talk to. And I love what you do for the industry and for all the people in, in water treatment with all the different ways that you help them to learn and to and to support them, frankly. So I, I just love being part of it. It's a lot of fun and it's totally selfish because I get to learn so much from all the people that I interview. Well, that's a nice way to put it. So you're a lifelong learner, just like me. Um, you know, you never stop. And and nothing gets me more excited than going down the rabbit hole when I'm doing some research on something. And then it takes me here and takes me there. It makes my brain light up. And so hopefully in this episode, we're going to do that brain light up for everybody listening. I have no doubt that it already has. And I was trying to think back. Back in the pandemic days, we had a Legionella conference that was canceled. And the Scaling Up H2O podcast folks decided that we were going to make August Legionella Awareness Month. And we did it. And people loved it. It was some of our highest rated shows. People asked, when are you going to do it again? And we said, well, I guess we'll do it next August. This is the fourth time that we've done that, and people really seem to enjoy it. So thanks for always coming back to Legionella Awareness Month. But I don't know if it's an official holiday, but we've definitely (laughs) declared it one. Well, you know, I always say that Legionella is a marquee microbe. Uh, It loves the headlines, and so it certainly loves the spotlight that you shine on it with Legionella Awareness Month. And I actually, I don't know where he is, but I have Lenny Legionella that you sent to me from the course that I uh, I took from you. And Janet, I have to say, that was so well done. Thank you. And, you know, the, the applause goes to everybody from IATMO, ASSC, and Special Pathogens Laboratory, and, our, and the guests that we uh, have uh, as instructors uh, for the training. Um, that's another one of those things that gives me great pleasure to be a part of instrumental in creating and delivering and I have a I have a headline uh, to share with you about that when appropriate. Well, I thought maybe we could just start there because there's so many things to talk about when it comes to Legionella awareness and one of the things that many industrial water treaters are becoming aware of is that people are requiring them to become certified if they are going to do something with a water management plan. So I thought we could unpack that a little bit. That's my pleasure. So where should we go? Should I, should I just talk to you about why I think that's important or what's new on the horizon for the training? I tell you, let's, let's do that exact thing. Let's start off with why you think Dr. Janet Stout, Legionella export extraordinaire, uh, why you think that's important and then what's new about that. Yes. And, and I, I'm not just an infectious disease microbiologist anymore. I'm a legionellologist. So we always have to, we always have to get my title correct, right? Does, uh, that, does it say that on your business cards? Uh, it doesn't, but should I add it, Trace? I think you should. I think you should. <laughs> so, so the other thing I say is um, when I tell people Legionella is my life, they're either sorry for me or they're impressed. I'm, you know, it's sort of 50-50, but uh, part of that 
dedication and devotion to the prevention of Legionnaires' disease and advocating for that. And I have my my NLD button on uh, for the broadcast because that's our big, hairy, audacious goal and the mission uh, to end Legionnaires' disease. I share with everyone, and particularly the people that attend the ASSC Standard 1280 certification training for Legionella Water Safety and Management Specialists. And so the idea for this came about, geez, like four or five years ago, where, you know, after ASHRAE 188 came, uh, you know, I sort of, it's like lemmings to the sea. Everybody and their brother and sister are, are like, I can do this. But I knew that even the sort of minimum knowledge about Legionella was sometimes lacking. And I wanted to fix that. And so I reached out to people I knew at IATMO and ASSC because that's what they do. They create standards on the ASSC side and do the training for various standards on the IATMO side. And they were like, great idea, Janet. And so ASSC got experts together, developed the training, or the, I'm sorry, the certification uh, standard, and then the certification exam questions, which I don't even know because I wasn't involved in that. And then on the training side, it was like, that's my thing. It's just like you, you know, you want to deliver education. So I worked with um, our team here at Special Pathogens Laboratory and IATMO to create the the three-day training. So it's the requirement for the standard is 24 hours of training and uh, taking a 100-question exam and getting an 80%, which is no problem for all of you because you're all high achievers. And then uh, you become certified for three years, and then you have to be recertified. So this is a live virtual training. You mentioned the pandemic. The initial intention was to have it in person, but the pandemic came. It was ANSI approved in April of 2020, and the first training was scheduled for August of 2020. And we all know what we were all doing around that time. And so we, we did it as an a online virtual live training. And I emphasize live because it's highly interactive, as you recall. So it's not just delivery of information from the instructors, it's from each other. So people that are attending from the very, you know, it's infection preventionists, it's professional water treaters, it's people from health departments, various disciplines, helping to teach each other and share with each other their experience. And I just love that part of the training. And, um, and so the, the, we continue to do that. Uh, the next training will be October 23rd uh, through the 25th. So I encourage everybody to register. But here's the, the news, Trace. Just this month, uh, we have launched the self-paced online version of the training through IAPMO. And you can get information from iapmolearn.org if you want to check out registering for that. Excellent. We'll put that on our show notes page so people don't have to wreck their cars by taking notes. They can keep their hands on 10 and 2 and be safe and get it later. So, well, that's exciting. You know, if you if you can deliver the education in the way that's convenient for the learner, that delivers uh, the information farther and wider and, and really, I think, opens it up in a bigger way to an international audience as well. I'm curious, you mentioned the recertification process. What is that process? 
So it's much easier than the initial certification. So that everybody just take it, you know, relax. So it's eight hours of training. You still have to pass a hundred question exam and get 80%, but it's much shorter. Uh, and frankly, for people that have gone through the, the virtual live training, it'll be easy peasy. And you mentioned the examination. That's a proctored examination. Somebody is uh, reviewing your video from your web camera. And uh, you take the examination. You do not get a result because I think they're waiting for people to watch your video. Is that is that what's going on there? Well, when you take the certification exam uh, they and you finish it, you do find out right away if you've passed. And I can am proud to say uh, our pass rate is 96%. Uh, and, and, and to date, we've trained almost 600 people. I'm very, very proud of that. Excellent. And I've taken several of these courses because I love to learn. And I was not only informed, I was entertained during the course. You guys do a great job. Uh, hand puppets come out. I mean, it was amazing. <laughs> Well, people learn better when they're having a good time. And I thank you for saying that because, you know, we intentionally do this. You know, we have a we have a wheel of fortune game where we we test people's knowledge by, you know, guessing the phrases with our own uh, Vanna White and Pat Shea Jack, you know. And, you know, like you said, we've got the Lenny Legionella and Susie Pseudomonas as well. I did leave her out. <laughs> So yeah, you get a you get a welcome packet when you take the course, and uh, there's some treats in there, and then also a plush Legionella toy, aptly named Lenny Legionella. Yeah, and so we set the tone right when you get the guidebook in the packet with the microbe, the plush toy, Lenny Legionella, um, and pe- I'm sure people open it up. It's like, what is this? You know, because we have hand clappers, you know, to to you know, pat yourself on the back if you want to, or, or, you know, express some appreciation for the instructors. And and so we have a good time uh, while we deliver really, I think, um, the highest quality education on the subject available. Since people are getting certified now, are you seeing either more water management plans out there or better water management plans out there? I would say probably both. The trajectory of adoption of standard 188 from ASHRAE hasn't been, you know, a straight up. It's it's like anything else. There's uh, early adopters and and also late adopters, and so I think, especially in healthcare, virtually all of them uh, have reached out to the AWT audience or the water treaters to, for help in doing that. And so I would say absolutely with the certification training, the quality of the water management plans are better. But I think most importantly, I think it gives confidence to the people doing the plans uh, and and gives them better language with which to talk to clients about what they need and why it's important and how to go about it. Um, and, and that is also one of the one of the goals is to really help people feel confident in the knowledge that they have. If somebody has a current plan that was done previously by an individual that wasn't certified, do they need to be alarmed? Does anything need to be done? I think what I would say to that is ASHRAE Standard 188 requires an annual review of plans, period. Uh, I think 
if and certainly I think it's preferable for any organization to have a standard 1280 certified um, professional doing the work with them. Uh, it, it gives, it also, I talked about the confidence of the person, the certified person, but it also gives confidence to the, the client and the organization to know that they have a certified individual doing the work with them. So that gives them confidence. And certainly I think if you're reviewing a plan uh, that might've been done uh, by someone lesser trained, uh, there would be room for improvement, let's say. And that certainly, I think, should be brought out. And people that are certified, and I, I hope you you do this, uh, Trace, is that I see people put their certification in their signature block on their emails or even on their business cards. You know, you want to let people know that you are head and shoulders above the rest having completed that training. That's great advice. I know a lot of people will take the time to get a certification and then they won't let anybody know about it. Yeah. And I see it uh, on people's signature blocks and on their cards. And I, I just, it makes, you know, it warms my heart, right? I'm just so thrilled uh, that they are advertising that they have met a higher standard of, of knowledge. Something you also get in the packet that you send out is a textbook. And Janet, I have to tell you, this is one of the better textbooks that I have ever read through. It is actually not a dry textbook. I mean, it's got all the information in there, but you don't fall asleep as you read it. It's got easy information to find. Well, it's got great information that's easy to find, but I was just blown away by the textbook. And I'm curious, how on earth did you ever put all that together? <laughs> well, it wasn't easy, I'll just say. Uh, but, you know, we knew that we were working towards uh, this ASSE uh, certification standard and that we needed to have for the education piece, we needed to have this guidebook available. So I'm sure you've learned this lesson yourself. Um, if, you're, if you're outside your area of expertise, you go find people that have the expertise and you work with them. Because by doing that, whatever comes from it is better. So I said, all right, uh, never wrote a book before and certainly not one designed as a teaching tool. So we hired a company to help us put it together, right? And then the people here uh, worked on the content and we knew that we wanted it to be easy to read, approachable, attractive, um, colorful, interactive. So there's QR codes in there. There's links to take you to other resources. So it's a very interactive guidebook. Uh, but as you said, it's it's easily digestible. So there's graphics, you know, chunks of information separated by, you know, attractive graphics, myth fact kind of things, you know, call outs. It's, it's divided into modules that are color coded. So I, that's, I, I'm so happy to hear you, um, you know, that, that it was a good experience for you and that you appreciated all the hard work. It took us two years to put that book together. We're doing a lot with the Scaling Up Academy, and uh, that's why I appreciate that so much. I mean, you have this idea, I want this course out there, so let's get it out there. And there's so many pieces I can only imagine and you're, of course, pulling out the, the textbook right now, I can only imagine how many loops and, and T's you had to cross and jump through in order to get that quality book that uh, I now have on my bookshelf. 
Well, I, and I, I'm glad that it didn't put you to sleep too. And so it's called Puzzled by Legionella, a guide to understanding detection, prevention, and water management. And you can get it online uh, as well as part of the training. Uh, so you can Google that and find Puzzled by Legionella, a guide for understanding detection, prevention, and water management. So we're trying to make it available, not just through the training course, but um, in general, because it's like, it's all the information that you need compressed into one document uh, that really brings you up to speed uh, on all aspects of Legionella. And the other thing that we added to it, which we'll probably talk a little bit about soon, is we added a section on other waterborne pathogens, uh, because it's not just about Legionella anymore. Janet, we'll make sure to put a link to that book on our show notes page. Again, keeping people safe. Ten and two people. Got to make sure that we're uh, we're driving safely as we're listening to the Scaling Up H2O podcast. You know, the last episode we did together was episode 264. It was entitled The One About the Legionella Chill Pill. And I have to tell you, this was the best marketing I think I have ever seen. If somebody doesn't know what I'm talking about, can you tell them about the chill pills? Yes, and I will shake it for them because it is Dr. Stout's Legionella chill pills. And it's in a bottle that looks like a prescription bottle, but inside are mints. So uh, no doctor's visit necessary. And on the label, uh, just like your prescriptions at home, it says, for the treatment of Legionella-related anxiety, take two one hour before Legionella testing. And on the side, it says, if anxiety persists, contact the Legionella experts at uh, our website, specialpathogenslab.com. So the you know, the reason for this, Trace, is, and I'm sure you and, and all the listeners have encountered this, is that when you try to talk to people about Legionella, uh, they're like, I don't want to talk about it. It's nothing but trouble. I'll get in trouble. You know, all kinds of reactions that are not really very helpful for the conversation that you want to have about water management, Legionella testing. And so when you give them Dr. Stout's Legionella chill pills, and they look at it and they start laughing. Now you've sort of, you know, broken the ice, right? Now you can say, you know, uh, it's serious business, but, you know, I can help you to manage this so that uh, you don't have anxiety. And, and, I, and I, I can get you as many chill pills as you want, but I, with me, you're not going to need them because, you know, I, I have the knowledge and the expertise to help you navigate this. And to not be that ostrich with the head in the sand, which we see so often. It's like, I, I don't want to test my cooling tower. I don't want to know the answer, but you need to know the answer. It's just like uh, we all need to get our routine uh, doctor's visits and medical things like colonoscopy. Uh, nobody wants to talk about it, but we have to do it. Legionella is sort of like that. Well, you bring up an interesting point because there are many people out there that think if they're ignorant to what's going on, that that is uh, absolution to liability. Not anymore. I'd say, what, maybe 10 years ago you could get away with that, but not anymore. We've got various standards. Uh, we've got hospital organizations like the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services requiring water management for Legionella and risk assessment now as of January of 2022. The Joint Commission for uh, Accrediting Hospitals has followed suit 
uh, after CMS with basically the same requirements. So there's just no getting away from it. And so if you encounter people that are claiming that that's a safe harbor, you need to gently tell them not anymore. I truly believe that sooner or later, our laws are going to mirror what we see over in the UK, over in Europe, over in Australia and Canada. Uh, We just haven't gotten that far yet. So I want to talk about that. What are the current municipalities that have Legionella laws on the books? And then what is your forecast with who's coming next? Well, I don't remember if we talked about this last time, but after CMS backpedaled on their requirement for for environmental testing for pathogens and you know they had it in in 2017 they took it out in 2018 and and I thought of the the movie network where the guys at the window going I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore and he throws the television out the window well that's how I felt and so I went to my state senator and I said I want to follow suit uh, from New York state and New York city and we need a law we need legislation for legionella So as I sit here right now, there are at least 10 states that have either introduced or passed legislation or public health law about Legionella and testing for Legionella and monitoring water systems, risk assessment, and water management. So we all know about New York, Illinois, New Jersey, Virginia, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Florida, Ohio, California, and then just recently, Nevada. And so there's a lot of attention, actually, to this sort of groundswell of legislative action around Legionella. It's being driven by different entities, you know, Legionellologists like me or other organizations that think this is important. And it's being actually being followed by an ASHRAE subcommittee on government relations. And so there, there are people that are very interested in both sides of the issue. Uh, on, on the one hand, be people like me that are advocates for prevention and want to see more of this. There are others that are concerned, you know, the the uh, cooling industry is concerned about, you know, vilifying cooling towers. And so they're very careful about what the language is in there. And there's groups that are pushing that. But I believe in terms of crystal ball, uh, there's going to be more and more. And I, I would Uh, support all of it. And the reason is, and I'm sure that you've seen this also, is that, you know, all of these committees that I'm on or you're on, uh, they only go so far uh, because understandably there's all these different interests and they're there to protect their interests. And so, you know, how aggressive can anything really be in saying you must do this, right? Because they're always thinking about how does that impact my industry? And so to get away from that, I think we're going to have a combination of of standards, guidelines. There's work going on now in plumbing codes and mechanical codes to get stuff in there, the the, uh, uniform uh, mechanical code. I'm on a committee for that. But those code cycles are like every five years. Um, But there's work on all these levels to really address the continuing risk of Legionella associated with building water systems. When you spoke with your congressman, I know you had the reflection of what New York State put into action. And there were some things they got right. There were some things they could have done better. So as we are talking with the people that are making the laws where we are, 
what are some things that we can learn from how the laws have evolved, how we know uh, people are protected against getting Legionnaire's disease, and what should that conversation start with? Well, I really like the New York State regulation because it includes healthcare. New York City is just cooling tower operation maintenance monitoring. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of good stuff in that New York City regulation. Uh, and you would know better uh, what to change around that for cooling towers. But I think I think it, it just all bo- boats rise when there's a requirement. And so now when you're competing for business out there, if everybody has to do the, this minimum amount, uh, it really helps uh, when you're trying to have a conversation with somebody about testing and the cost of it. Uh, now it's a requirement. So it's no longer, you know, I have to convince you this is something you have to do. And, and then you just, you know, the money is there. People just argue about, I don't want to pay for this. Uh, and the, th- the thing that I like about New York State, as I said, is that healthcare is where we have a lot of problems because people are more uh, compromised. And so we must have higher requirements for healthcare. And so that whatever the, the regulation is or the, or the code standards, it should include uh, healthcare and also uh, long-term care. Uh, we see a lot of cases of Legionnaire's disease in, in residents of long-term care. And, you know, they all uh, say, I have no money for water management. Um, but, you know, we try to make water management plans affordable. We have a, a software called LegiDoc that it's like five or $600, and they can have a, a, a plan backed by our expertise. And so there's, there's really no excuse. Um, so I would say to you, Trace, that it has to cover devices uh, like cooling towers and decorative water features. Uh, be careful sitting next to that, that water fountain at the bar of the hotel, right? Or sitting under those misters in those um, nice warm locations. And then it has to have requirements for healthcare. One of the stories I remember you telling at a conference was one of the largest Legionella counts, I think, in a body of water was found at the grocery store misting station. Can you tell our our, our <laughs> listeners about that? Right. So there was a very famous outbreak in Bogalusa, Louisiana. And luckily, most of these types of misters aren't used anymore. It had a reservoir. And, you know, you can imagine Louisiana in the summer. It's hot. And that water is just sitting there. And then you're standing in front of the broccoli and all of a sudden the mister goes on and you're just covered with the mist. You've all been there, right? And you're like, oh, it's kind of annoying. But in this case, it killed people. And then there's another one. It was a little, a small decorative water feature at a Mexican restaurant and it infected more than a hundred people. And it took them a long time to figure out that it was this decorative water feature because they were looking at all the cooling towers uh, in that area. But they finally figured it out and we processed some of those samples in our laboratory. And there was something like 10,000 Legionella per milliliter in that water. Uh, So these little innocuous devices can be great breeding grounds for Legionella. So let's say there is an outbreak and nobody knows where it's coming from. What's the process to figure out where is the source? So this is one of the things that I always tell people, test, let's just say it's a cooling tower, test your cooling tower because, and I'm not picking on cooling towers. It's just that when there's a a big spike with a lot of cases, it's often a cooling tower outbreak. In, In potable water systems, it's like it goes on a little bit at a time. 
case here and a case there. So we got this big spike. And one of the things that I tell people about being proactive and testing is that you can rule yourself out as a source because if you're, if the type of Legionella in your cooling tower does not match what they're growing from the patients, you are excluded as a possible source, right? And that's basically, uh, everybody remembers the, the Bronx outbreak, and that's, that's how the detective, the microbiological public health detective work is done. You sort of look at where the cases are, you try to get the organism from the patients, you test a bunch of possible sources, you get those environmental strains, and you compare them genetically to see if they match or don't match. And, and if you don't match, you're excluded. You are not part of the pool of, of possible sources. So you're not just talking about Sarah group, you're talking about the actual makeup of the cell. Well, the, the molecular analysis or subtyping uh, has different levels, right? But basically, we take the organisms from the patient and the environment, bust them up, get their DNA out, and see if they uh, match up. Fascinating. It is. It's really interesting stuff. Did you ever imagine that this is where Legionella was going when you were first studying Legionella? You know, I I had no idea, but I, I've been so fortunate. I'm sure you feel the same way about your career, Trace. I landed as a graduate student right in a hospital that was experiencing uh, many, many cases of Legionnaire's disease in the very early stages of our understanding. And so it's kind of like a, a seed being planted in incredibly fertile soil. And I had a great mentor, Dr. Victor Yu, and we studied every aspect of the disease. And, and you know, being in that position and being the sponge at an early stage of what was happening in Legionella, I learned so much. And, and it, it makes me sort of a, a bit of a unicorn, right? Uh, there aren't too many that have grown up in Legionella. And, and, and I feel like it's my responsibility to share that knowledge. And that's how I feel about doing the trainings. And, and also talking to you today. There we go. You know, There's the benefit. There's the payoff everybody's looking for. Right. With the Scaling Up Nation. You know, these, these are our people, our peeps. How did you go from being a microbiologist to studying Legionella? How did you say, my life isn't complete. I need to find <laughs> Legionella. Right. Well, you know, as a, as a graduate student, you have to pick, you know, where you're going to study and who you're going to study under. And, and just through you know, fateful events, I landed in this, this place and there was so much happening. And you can just imagine, you know, a young microbiologist just out of graduate school, where else would I want to be, frankly? And, and then when it came time to get my PhD, you know, I got some advice from some very uh, wise microbiologists. It's like, you are in a great spot. Just keep going. And from there, uh, you know, basically became, you know, the Legionella expert or Legionellologist. Yeah. It seems to have worked out well for you. <laughs> yes, it has. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I, again, you know, going to a public health school at the University of Pittsburgh, my emphasis has been, always been on, you know, how do we protect people? And it just you know, fate happened where the, the laboratory was closed at the Pittsburgh VA and, you know, is at the proverbial fork of the road and said, okay, let's keep doing our work under our own control as Special Pathogens Laboratory 
the commercial laboratory so that we could continue the mission. And, and all of you all supported us in that mission over all these years, and I'm very grateful. So thank you so much. So, so far, it's been all about Lenny Legionella, but let's get Susie Pseudomonas into the conversation. And let's talk about <laughs> other waterborne pathogens because it's now we need to know about these other things and they are a mouthful. Uh, yes. And, and thank goodness uh, there, some of them have abbreviations. So Pseudomonas, and, uh, and I'm, I want to, to sort of emphasize this one bacterium because I think it's an up and coming. And sometimes I say it's the next Legionella because we learned so much about how to manage the risk for that waterborne pathogen. And there's another one that's almost exclusively in water, uh, and it's called non-tuberculous mycobacteria, or thank goodness by the initials NTM. And and some data that came out of the CDC that talked about the, the disease burden of Legionella, Pseudomonas, and NTM said that the costliest diseases were NTM costing annually $1.5 billion, with a B in healthcare costs, and Pseudomonas was a distant third with uh, $453 million. Uh, and so these other organisms, uh, in addition to Legionella, are a tremendous disease burden and a burden on our healthcare system. And, you know, there are growing numbers of non-tuberculous mycobacteria infection. It's not reportable disease like Legionella is. So we really don't have a good handle on the thousands and thousands of cases, but but it's, it's more than Legionella. Uh, it, it affects patients uh, in hospitals with cystic fibrosis. It affects elderly people, some of the similar uh, risk factors as Legionella. And the other thing is you thought it took a long time for Legionella to grow, right? So we start to see Legionella colonies in four days. It takes for some of these non-tuberculous mycobacteria species, some are fast growers or rapid growers like Legionella, but other ones are slow growers, six to eight weeks. So you thought Legionella took a long time. So because of that, and you know, because this is a growing recognized waterborne pathogen, and in fact is is named in the CMS memorandum and the Joint Commission, uh, so people are like, okay, how do we test for this? And so we've developed a, a PCR assay that tells you whether these organisms are present or not in your hot tub, your shower, your potable water a lot of the scope reprocessing that's done in healthcare, you want to make sure that those don't have non-tuberculous mycobacteria in them. So we can, we don't have to wait six weeks for the result to tell us whether these uh, organisms are present. We can do it in two days with this non-tuberculous mycobacteria PCR test. And then when you pair that with the culture for non-tuberculous mycobacteria, now you've got the organism isolated, but you're alerted early to its presence. And, and in fact, we've done, we've done research on how to isolate these organisms more effectively and publish that research in, where's my article here? Oh yeah, it's a, a free open access journal called PLOS One, and we'll make sure I give you the link to that, uh, where we published on a new 
medium to grow these organisms easier because they take an even richer culture media, which means the, the old media were overgrown all the time and we'd never know whether they were there. So we worked with the developers of this new commercial media and were able to show it was incredibly better uh, than the previous media. And we actually uh, presented that at a Nash international uh, non-tuberculous mycobacteria conference back uh, last year. Very interesting. We'll make sure to have that on our show notes page. And I find it fascinating. You developed your own agar to culture Legionella. You created your own procedures. I think it's just amazing how uh, you don't just take the status quo. You figure out how to make it better. Well, you know, the, the, the fact that CMS, out of the blue, sort of lobbed over the, over the fence, uh, not only do you need to be worried about Legionella, but other waterborne pathogens, non-tuberculous mycobacteria, pseudomonas. My favorite one to say is stenotrophomonas multifilia. And you'll remember from the training how we all said that together because it's so fun. And I always feel like I should be doing a line dance when I say it. Stenotrophomonas multifilia kick. Don't you think so, Trace? It sounds like it fits. <laughs> so all of these organisms, all of a sudden, everybody's reading the memo and going, well, I have to know about them too. And so the answer is yes. And, and if any of you are working with healthcare facilities, um, both CMS and Joint Commission say you need to address the risk. Well, thanks for keeping us up to date. Also, your website is a great resource to see what is new, what we should be doing, and you call it a treasure trove of information. And I think that is aptly put. Well, thank you. I've heard people talk about our website. It's not a typical commercial website because it has this emphasis on on teaching and educating and providing resources to to the people that are either our current clients or prospects. And and that expertise translates into uh, your interactions with the people that are working here at Special Pathogens Laboratory. We have lots of expertise because, you know, Lord knows you can't know everything, right? Uh, you're not a microbiologist. I'm not a water treater. You teach me, I teach you. And, and it's one of the advantages of using our laboratory is that depth of knowledge. Well, I thought it might be fun to throw some questions at you that us water treatment folk get every single day. So these are comments that we hear. How would Dr. Stout answer them? Are you ready to play? I'm ready. All right. I only test once a year whether I need to or not. <laughs> okay, well, this is what I tell people about testing. It's always about answering a question. And and also understanding, and this is why the training is important, understanding the risk. Uh, you know, in the ASHRAE standard 188, it talks about having knowledge of water systems as it relates to legionellosis. And that last part is what we're trying to sort of accomplished by testing, right? We're not just willy-nilly doing it. It's about assessing risk and giving you information about your, you know, for example, your biocide program of a cooling tower. How well is it controlling Legionella in the spring, in the high heat load of the summer and in the fall? Because that's when outbreaks have occurred. So that's when you need to be testing so that you get feedback about your program. That's the purpose of it. And then in the case of potable water, well, I always tell people the, the most important time to test is the first time, because that tells you whether you're in the 50% that have Legionella in your water or 50% that don't. 
you need to know whether the the risk exists at all. And then you go from there, you know, you, depending on what the results are. And now we've got a lot of good interpretive criteria. I always refer people to the uh, Cooling Technology Institute CTI Guideline 159 for a good resource for their water management of cooling towers. It has reasonable criteria. It talks about Legionella test results not being about the health risk but about performance of the biocide program. So you can reframe it for those people that are like, you know, I'm going to do a perfunctory once a, one, one test and that'll be that. It's not useful. And it in testing it will keep you out of trouble. And I think most people respond to that. So this next statement only applies to 40 of the 50 states, but I don't need to do that. It's not the law. Nobody's making me. <laughs> well, you know, I heard I heard uh, somebody talking. One of our, actually, one of our instructors on uh, the Joint Commission talking about uh, being at the bottom. You know, doing the very minimum. And uh, sure, you know, you could do that. Um, but we all know if you don't take care of things, you do the minimum, you're going to get into trouble, right? Eventually. And let's say you don't change the oil in your car, right? It's always helpful to create an analogy, what's going to happen to your car, right? It's, it's something bad's going to happen. And, and so saying you don't have to is not a good excuse. And then I always talk to people about the little lawyer on my shoulder trace. The lawyer's there with me all the time. And, and people, even if you're not required, at this point in time, uh, certainly ASHRAE Standard 188 is considered the industry uh, best practice. While it's still a voluntary standard, you don't want to get into a legal situation where you're having to argue why you didn't do something and people died, right? Uh, and so really bringing the specter of legal consequences is not an empty threat. I get calls from attorneys every week because they are litigating cases of Legionnaire's disease, and it is happening all the time. So I think those are the things that I would say to somebody uh, that says, I don't have to. So the next statement is, any test that comes back positive, I need to treat as DEFCON 1. <laughs> and this is where we give them the Dr. Stout's <laughs> Legionella chill pills, right? Um, the answer to that is all Legionella are not created equal. They are not all uh, uh, DEFCON 1. And one of the things that's really useful, I think, and beneficial of the ASHRAE Standard 188 is that gave a framework within which we manage the risk. We minimize the risk, right? We're not eliminating risk. We're saying, okay, what can we do to optimize performance of devices and also to keep Legionella under control? And now we've got you know, for better or worse, different criteria for what is under control. And zero Legionella is not what you're trying to achieve uh, because you can't. Uh, it's not possible. It's a normal part of the flora. And so what we want to do is control it. We use the percent positivity metric, less than 30%. New York State also uses that and has actually published data showing that that's useful, especially in outbreak investigations, so that you're not trying to get to zero and people are on bottled water for a year because uh, you can't get to zero. Uh, so, so this is again, you know, helpful to have experts at your side to to help you and your clients say, you know, Legionella anissa 
is not a highly pathogenic strain of Legionella, I don't worry about it. And, it, and it, you could say the same thing as me, Trace, but because I'm a legionellologist, they're like, oh, okay, I, I, I'll relax now. That's why I call you so often. <laughs> and when I see it's you, I always answer. You always do. I love that. All right. So the next statement is, I only need the chiller plant operator and the water treater to be on my water management plan team. Okay, so the water management plan team is multidisciplinary. And the reason it's multidisciplinary is because understanding that part about the risk of Legionella uh, requires input from different people that are managing different types of water. One other person that needs to be part of that, or at least receiving reports, is administration. They write the checkbook, right? And actually, one enterprise system, a healthcare system, had each hospital send their report, their water management report, their you know quarterly or whatever, to an administrator who had to sign off on that. So now, not only does the administrator understand what's going on, but the people doing the work know that somebody above them cares about it and that the, there's meaning in what they're doing. Because so many times people are doing things and they're like, nobody cares. You know, this is a useless use of my time. So, so administrators, in, in healthcare, you have to have infection preventionists as well as facility engineers. It might be a mean, uh, one of those Venus-Mars situations where they, they may or may not jive but they bring different information and both are very important. We did a little study where we looked at who was on the team in various healthcare organizations that we were helping with water management. 90 some percent had facilities engineers uh, and only 50% had infection preventionists. My hope is that that's changed at this point in time because it's really, really important. And especially uh, another risk situation is construction and renovation. And we actually devote a lecture to this and a module in the guidebook to construction and renovation because of the risk of outbreaks associated with that. So the in healthcare, infection prevention needs to weigh in uh, on construction as well. Well, here's the last statement. A water treatment program's primary responsibility is to keep that customer Legionella free. As I said, you can't. And I, I think in all of all things, uh, you need to manage expectations. I'm sure uh, with water treatment, uh, cooler, cooling towers and boilers, you let people know what needs to happen in order to keep their equipment healthy. And if you don't do these things, you're going to run into trouble. And so managing expectations around Legionella testing, what it's for, what's a reasonable expectation, which is not zero. Okay, just people don't understand, I think, that you can't get them to zero. That's understandable. You know, this is microbiology, right? And the analogy I usually give people is you have billions of microbes on your skin. No one's going to, you, you can't wash your hands and get rid of all the microbes. What you're doing is you're reducing them to a level that minimizes the chance of disease occurring. And there's lots of information in the literature that shows if you minimize it, you prevent disease. So that's, it's, it's incumbent upon us, I think, 
to help establish what those reasonable expectations are. We don't live, we live in a gray world, not a black and white world where you can't, there aren't absolutes. You're not going to get rid of every Legionella, but you can control it effectively. And, and your uh, listeners are in a great position to help people to do that. Janet, to add to that, the primary responsibility of water treatment is to prolong equipment life and increase its efficiency. And now we throw on here the the Legionella, the specific species. Well, that's not really dealing with efficiency and heat transfer. So how do we properly talk to our customers that this is really above and beyond a typical water treatment program? Well, I think everything evolves, right? So the initial charge for water treatment, as you said, was to prolong the life of the equipment, prevent microbial fouling, and you do that, right? But the ways that you monitor for general microbial fouling with heterotrophic plate counts doesn't tell you anything about the risk of Legionella, right? So now we've got more than 40 years of experience with Legionella. We know that not managing uh, a tower that looks clean, like I've seen, I've been there, this, this tower is linked to an outbreak, it's, it's water is like, you know, mountain spring water, uh, they, they were using great um, algae control, like a carbamate or something, but they weren't using an oxidizing biocide, and so Legionella was having a field day in there because it was, it was unaffected by the, the biocide for the algae. So, so I think a little bit of microbiology 101, uh, I think the thing that clients want to hear is I'm trying to protect you, not only your equipment, but you and your organization from bad outcomes. This is a known bad outcome. If we don't do just a little bit, we have a, a water management plan for our devices and buildings, and we test just enough to give us information about how well the program's working. Janet, what's the one thing that you want to make sure all of our listeners leave with? Test to protect. As I said at the at the top of our in our conversation, as I've got my BHAG NLD. Uh, badge on. This is our mission, and you are part of the mission uh, because you are out there talking to people about this is a real risk, whether it's a building water system, cooling tower, decorative water feature. We want to stop disease from occurring, and we can do that because Legionella is in the water, and if we control Legionella in the water, we don't have disease. The only way to verify that your program is working, it's called validation, right? is to test. You can do all the water treatment. In order to answer, is it working to control the risk of Legionella, you have to test. Not a crazy amount, just the right amount, right, to give you feedback that what you're expecting in terms of control is what's actually happening. And you can't tell by looking, you can't tell by doing ATP or, or HPC, you have to test specifically for Legionella. And so if you can get your customers, uh, your clients to do that, you know, do the plan with them, get them into the plan, use testing to validate, you will take us to that goal of ending Legionnaire's disease. Janet, you have been on the program so many times, we have to invent new lightning round questions every time <laughs> you come on. So are you ready for our latest round of lightning round questions? 
I'm probably not ready, but let's do it. All right. So uh, what are three things on your desk right now that you use every day? I'm kind of old school, right? And uh, and so even though I have electronics and you know all kinds of apps on my phone and things, I, I like paper. And so I have a stapler. I have a highlighter, right? Because that helps me to gather my thoughts and to know what I want to communicate uh, to you and your listeners. And, and of course, the phone, like, is anybody more than like six inches away from your phone know, right? at any given time? It's ridiculous. But it, you know, it's a symbol of staying connected. And mm-hmm. this program that you're doing helps us stay connected. And, and I think that's really important. And, you know, just call a friend every once in a while, just because and surprise them. I love that advice. A couple of years ago, I made a, I never make resolutions, but I try to do something different every year. And I decided whenever somebody was on my mind, I was just going to either text them or call them right there and let them know that I was thinking of them. And I have had some great conversations because of that. And I am amazed at how many people are surprised that I was calling because they were thinking of me too. There's got to be something to that. That's great. Janet, what are three books that everyone should read before the end of this year? So I don't know if you know about the Stoics. Uh, but there's a book called The Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday, Meditations on Wisdom, Perseverance, and the Art of Living. And it's it's a little reading from the philosophers of the Greeks, uh, Greek time called the Stoics, little ones for each day. And it's a great way to sort of set the tone for the day or at the end of the day, get you thinking at a level above the day to day. So I love that. Uh, they made a movie out of this book, but I highly recommend the book, Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens. Just a, a wonderful book. Just a wonderful book. And then, of course, our business Bible, Stephen Covey, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Love that book. Been around a long time, but the, the lessons are timeless. And if you haven't read it, uh, do it this year. I m- never met Stephen Covey, but I met his son. Uh, he was at a conference, and I got to eat lunch with him. And I asked him what was his take on green and clean. If you remember, he was the little boy that uh, did All not right. keep the yard green <laughs> and clean. And uh, he just looked at me in between bites of food and said, Trace, I was seven. <laughs> so if you don't know what we're talking about, you're going to have to read the book. Janet, what is the best advice you've been given over the course of your career? That's a that's a tough one. Um, I think it's not so much advice, but what was um, demonstrated to me uh, by my mentor, Victor Yu, it were a couple of things. One is work harder than anybody else, right? Uh, and I, I sort of had a sense of that even as a young high school student volunteering for the biology experiment. You know that nerdy kid? That was me. Uh, and, and so I was doing more than what was required. And, and I think, I think if I was going to give advice to anybody, that would be the thing that, uh, I would tell people is you always do more than what is required and you will be successful. Uh, so hard work, but also being kind, uh, you know, you can never be 
too kind uh, to people. And, and it really does come back to you uh, many, many times over. So being kind and generous and hardworking, I think, are the things that the le- life lessons that I've gleaned over the years that I think are uh, most important and most, most uh, contributed to my success. Kind of a spin on that same question, but what advice do you wish somebody told you when you were first starting out? <laughs> wish that I had been told. Well, I guess that, you know, in my experience, right, I told you the story about how the VA closed our lab and, uh, you know, uh, it was very terrible. Uh, but one of my water treater friends told me actually at the time, he said, Janet, you're going to look back on this and um, it'll be the best thing that ever happened to you. And, uh, and I think having perspective and maybe being forewarned a little bit that life is going to throw you serious curveballs and, and, um, and not to let it throw you off your kilter. But, you know, I think that would be probably the one thing. Uh, expect the unexpected. So if the lab stayed open, we would have special pathogens laboratories. That's right. And I would have been a, a poor government worker all my life. <laughs> we would have never met. That's right. <laughs> it's funny how life works out. It's great. It's great. And um, in the water treatment industry uh, and your listeners and others have been great support of us at Special Pathogens from the VA days to today. And I'm always very, very grateful for that and for, for the sharing of the knowledge that you all have with me. Uh, sometimes I think I have a minor in, uh, in plumbing and water treatment, but I know enough to be dangerous. And so I always call you and my other water treatment professional friends, uh, when I, I need advice. Well, Janet, as always, thank you for coming on the Scaling Up H2O podcast and, uh, helping us celebrate Legionella Awareness Month. And thank you for dedicating a whole month to my favorite microorganism, Legionella. Once again, Janet, thank you for coming back to our Scaling Up H2O podcast. We always learn something new when you are here. And I think just like water treatment, Legionella always has something new to learn. When we have people like Janet in the industry, she's always trying to figure out how to do things differently, how to do things better, how to inform more people. She's definitely done that on this podcast, and she continues to do that in the Legionella realm. So if you want to learn more about Legionella, and that's the whole point of this month, this whole series of podcast episodes that we are doing, by all means, I want to direct you to scalinguph2o.com forward slash Legionella. You will have so much information there and you will be able to learn more than you ever thought and research to your heart's content. When we know more, we are more confident to talk about things properly. And when we're talking about things properly, we're educating people. And when we're educating people, we are empowering them to make better decisions. It all starts with you. So use this month to bolster your information, your knowledge on Legionella awareness. Nation, I'm going to have a brand new episode for you on Legionella Awareness next Friday. Until then, have a great week, folks. Today's episode is proudly sponsored by the Rising Tide Mastermind. 
Each and every year, the Rising Tide Mastermind gets together in Atlanta for a live event. This is one of the most anticipated events within the Rising Tide Mastermind. Normally, we have a Zoom call each and every week, but this is where we all come together and we become better friends. We learn more about each other and we help each other with their issues. It is my favorite thing and I'm sure it is going to be your favorite thing to look forward to if you were a member of the Rising Tide Mastermind. That could be a possibility to find out if the Rising Tide Mastermind is right for you and you are right for the Rising Tide Mastermind. Go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash mastermind and you can schedule a 15 minute call with me to find out more.